This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscapists, welcome to the Thor Love and Thunder Geekscape special. I'm Jonathan London, your Geekscape host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, usually we like to do things like interviews or reviews of uh, video games, comics, movies. Maybe we talk to some creators involved in those things. Uh, But this episode right here that you're listening to right now and watching, if you're on Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube, is our uh, Thor Love and Thunder special. And uh, so I got to warn you, the movie just came out. Uh, over the weekend and we are going to spoil the heck out of it so if you have not watched thor love and thunder uh this is your warning um we're really going to get into the nitty and gritty you know how these geekscape specials work i've got ian kerner to join me he is uh the encyclopedic i I think hive mind of all of comic book knowledge period uh so i love having him on the show and we're going to be talking about some of the similarities and push and pull a little bit on thor love and thunder and see how it compares to the comics see what it might mean for the rest of the mcu oh you know how we do this so what do you say we just get this thing started Geekscapists, let's get down to the nitty gritty. This is the Geekscape Thor Love and Thunder special. This is the fourth film in the Thor series, but let's be real. This is like the 30th film in the whole Marvel series. And we got to start thinking about, well, we were long past starting to think about it, but these these Marvel shows and movies are just chapters in this ongoing comic book series thrown up on the big screen and in the the small screen now that we've got uh, shows like Miss Marvel, which we're probably going to talk about over the weekend with Ian, Miss Marvel wraps up this week. So we've got another one of these Geekscape nitty gritty specials coming right up. So uh, for that one, so go ahead and subscribe. If you don't subscribe to the Geekscape podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. I've got uh, Sons of Anarchy's Kim Coates on the show later this week. He's got a movie coming out and we're going to talk tomorrow about this. It won't be live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook. So if you want to catch that one, you should probably subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcatcher you've got. If you're a fan of Geekscape, it really does us a whole lot of uh, good for you to take a share button, click it, and send Geekscape to all your friends. And if you want to, for the kindness of your heart, leave us like a five-star review and a couple comments there on whatever podcatcher you use to catch your Geekscape. We really appreciate that. It helps our visibility. And as of recording right now, I got to tell you, Chartable calls us the 91st film interview podcast in the United States. So not bad, not bad. We've been like upwards of 40, somewhere in there, but we have also been around for 15 years. So maybe people are like, eh, a little old with you. I'm a little bored with the old Geekscape. Got new stuff to listen to. Now there are celebrities with podcasts. So I got to listen to Jonathan talk about it. Well, let me tell you why. I've got a great reason. It's this man right here waiting to talk Thor, Love and Thunder uh, with you. He's a resource that no other podcast has. His name's Ian Kerner. He's fantastic. And so I'm going to give you one last warning. If you've not seen Thor Love and Thunder, we got major spoilers coming because we're really going to get into it. Uh, Ian and I are pretty well versed on both the comic book versions of these characters and the movie versions. And so we're going to push and pull. Our good friend Joey Kochik jumped in and said, oh, shit, 
I'm actually watching live for once and I watched it last night. So I hope you enjoyed the movie and I hope you enjoyed this conversation, Joy. It's great having you. Uh, Cassie Horn up in Seattle says, Ooh, appreciate the spoiler warning. That's my exit. Miss you, bud. Uh, we'll watch after I see the movie uh, with my boyfriend on the big screen. That's a great place to watch this one. Uh, and Frank Bowen says, ah, damn spoilers. Love you all. We'll catch the VOD after I see it this weekend. Love the intro. He'll be back. Uh, Frank is awesome. Uh, so cool. Yeah, uh, that is the, the nice thing to do is peel yourself off if you have not seen this movie because there's tons of spoilers coming your way. Uh, let's get Ian in here and uh, let's talk. Ian, my good friend. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, 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 good. I'm excited to talk this movie with you because I honestly don't know what you think of it. You and I have, uh, we saw it separately. Uh, you were in Santa Barbara. I hope you had a great trip. And then you got you kind of were on your own to watch the film. I saw it opening night here at where we re- regularly go. And I got to tell you, man, I missed you at the Regal screening mainly because <laughs> I, I do enjoy this movie. But the first 30 minutes of this movie were really hard for me because there were so many people with their phones out in the theater and I like to sit kind of middle back and I want the screen to be big in front of me. I don't want to sit too close, but that also allows anybody who has a screen open between me and the screen for that damn light to distract me. And Ian finally at about 25 minutes into the movie. And I really wanted to be into this film from the get go. It was hard with all all the distraction. I finally got up and said, yeah, screw this. I'm going to go to the kid in the very front second row. Who's, has his phone out everybody's seeing it and i'm going to go up and i'm going to tell him to put the phone away and i'm going to be nice this time because i know during dr strange things got a little virulent uh so i marched down there same theater same first screening of the movie and i approached the seat and they're doing this individual was doing the exact same thing that was really ticking me off in this in the row just in front of us in dr strange they were taking photos of the movie during spoiler scenes and posting them right to Instagram stories. And so I said, hey, really kindly, I put my hand on the seat right behind his head, and I said, hey, excuse me, the whole theater can see that light on your screen. You really need to turn that thing off. I would really appreciate it. And the person turned around, Ian, and it was the same person as Dr. Strange, who I had like yelled at and said I was going to kick their head. It's terrible that the behavior hadn't corrected itself. That being said, when we locked eyes, I think there was some rec- there was definitely recognition on my part that it was the same exact person who was doing that during Dr. Strange. And uh, I, things were different this time. They put their phone away. We never saw it again. And um, some of the phones were still an issue here and there throughout the movie. But that that person was the major uh, he was the major culprit of ruining the first 30 minutes of the movie. Overall, though, the movie really recovers and actually really, really enjoy the ending of this film. I really enjoy the third act of this movie. So overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm going to go see it again because those first 30 minutes were really difficult for me to get into because I just kept getting distracted by these damn screens. Put them away, people. Um, Ian, what did you think of the movie? We, we have not talked about it at all. Yeah, I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I hoped I would. Um, I think that the one big problem the movie has is a question of tone because, you know, when I heard it was going to be Gore the Guard Butcher, and let, let's talk about this first. Let's say this. You know, as we go further and further into these movies, you know, there's always the question of what big storylines are they going to do? So once we knew they were doing both gore and doing, you know, Mighty Thor, Lady Thor, you know, um, we knew they were really getting deep into Jason Aaron's run on Thor, which is a great, fairly recent run. But he was on the book for a long time. It's a lot of great stories, including those. I think his first issue on Thor was 2011. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I think he did about ten solid years, right? And it, and he's he's really kind of carried the book as the as almost the main writer in that time. That being said, as you said, there's 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 lots of storylines they could have pulled from, and they actually combined two of them in this one. Yeah, and to, to some extent, three. If you, yeah, if you want to talk about Asgard on Earth. Like because it's not Broxton, Oklahoma. You can even argue a little bit of four because there's aspects of how this ended that get into a bit of the Mangog stuff, which is a little bit of some rehash of um, Gore the God Butcher. I mean, Mangog's the original God Butcher anyway. So, you know, right. so you get that. Um, but, you know, I love Taika. I love, love, love Ragnarok. And I just felt that some of the goofy, zany, funny stuff, which I absolutely love, sort of clashes with the tone 
of, you know, like, this is the God butcher. And like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like the dread. I was never really worried, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are the same. I think, I think you and I have the exact same sentiments on that. I think that if they would have cut even as much as two thirds of the jokes, uh, some of them being like the Stormbreaker being, you know, jealous of. I mean, I love that stuff, that. but it, it, sure, it, it, but it, if you cut two thirds of them out, the ones that remain become much funnier. Yeah. And there are um, a lot of tone issues, like you said, where we want the severity of gore. And I think that the opening is beautiful. I, th- I love the opening in establishing gore and the loss of his daughter and how he was seduced by the, uh, by the sword. That was done really well. Um, you know, and then my but struggle- it is undercut by the humor. Yeah. Yeah. And my struggle is, you know, we, we've talked about this a number of times in a lot of the specials and going back many years, going all the way back to daredevil season one on Netflix, you know, the struggle is that, you know, and the joke back then, we were like, wow, the A-list characters are just going to get these movies. And then these B-list characters are going to get these shows and have all this great character development. The A-list characters aren't going to get, you know, mm-hmm. and we always talked about it with Spider-Man because Spider-Man, it's always this great, you know, um, cast of characters that, you know, and all these subplots and you're never really going to get them, you know, and like Jane with the cancer, that's a big one. In the comic, you know, you actually don't know who Lady Thor is for a while. It's a mystery. You don't know who picked it up. Meanwhile, Jane has cancer and she's sick and she's in the background doing other things, you know, and, and it goes it goes on for a while. And so you really feel this idea. You, you come to realize that what's happening is she's on chemo, but every time she grabs Mjolnir, it wipes the chemo out of her system. It doesn't cure her cancer, but it takes the poisons out. Which is what chemo is a poison, right? So the chemo is not working. Okay, I think they, I, there's they a reference it. to that. Yeah, but but I think saying that the that Mjolnir was removing the chemo would have been a lot more effective yeah. than Thor just saying, "Hey, the hammer's killing you." That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, and exactly. And you know, it's like we get a sense of okay, she's had it for a bit now. We see it. I think they did um, a pretty good job. You know, um, you know, tricky because I still think that, you know, I mean, do I wish that we'd seen it in a previous movie? No, you know, but, but it's hard, you know, it just, it doesn't resonate in the same way that it did in the comics in that sense. You know, um, I remember guessing for a long time when the, when the mighty Thor was introduced, first off in the comics, Thor loses his ability to lift me on near. Right. Which is which is related to, to gore, totally related to the feeling the, unworthy because it's it's you know it, it's after that, and the way he vanquishes gore in the comics, I didn't really care for. It was almost like, hey, I'm going to dig deeper and I'm going to overcome him and the 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 god butcher sword. That being said, I think that the way that he overcame gore here resonated with both storylines, and I like how they dovetailed them here, even though the Jane severity of the Jane storyline kind of got short. Shifted. Let, let's back up for a second. So in the comics, we reference that. So, so Thor loses Mjolnir because Nick Fury whispers something in his ear. You don't know if he hears what he whispered. Thor suddenly finds himself unworthy to, to wield Mjolnir. So he can't pick it up, but he's still Thor, you know, but there's, you know, years ago in the Thor comics, this is idea. Thor was really, really arrogant, which we saw in the first movie. And Similar to the first movie, Odin banishes him. But in the comics, he goes a step further. He wipes his memory and he sticks him into the body of a, of a human who's frail, who actually has, you know, a bad leg and is, you know, weak and all that. And he becomes a doctor and he becomes a really respectful person. And then Odin leads him to a stick in Norway and he strikes the stick and it turns him into Thor. And initially he doesn't have his memory. He just suddenly has these abilities and he sort of sounds like Thor. And over time he gets his memory back. And that's the Donald Blake character that you get a little bit of an Easter egg for. You get the, the Easter egg time. of that. It's, just, it's Jane's former boyfriend. So, so, and so for years he's going back and forth. So that's why the whole idea of the enchantment is whoever, whosoever is worthy would have the power of the mighty Thor, but tied to, and can actually weld Mjolnir can actually pick it up, which, and we see that, that, that enchantment about picking it up throughout the movies. We see that with Captain America you know, in Endgame and a little bit in Age of Ultron, you know, so that, that's been there. Um, so, so you have that. And so anyway, in fighting Gore the God Butcher, because 
very similar to this movie. I think they did a good job of saying, hey, okay, Gore hates gods, you know? And I think they did a pretty good job of showing gods are assholes, both with Gore's god as well as, you know, the pantheon, you know, in in the Celestial City, right? And Christian Bale is phenomenal in this movie. He was yeah. one of the highlights for me. For he's, sure. he's absolutely fantastic. I, I agree completely. And I thought that Russell Crowe did a great job as Zeus. You know, um, yeah. my wife and I were debating the whole idea of, you know, what do you think of the accent? Yeah, I, I, he did I'm, it. He, he, he tried a thing. <laughs> I'm not a giant fan of, okay, he's a Greek god, so he speaks English with a Greek accent. I don't know, you know. Russell made a choice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and then they, well, they had um, Brett Goldstein do it too. Right. You know. They are Greek. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I guess, you know. <laughs> so um, where do we want to start this off? Because I, I think that the movie works great with the, when Christian Bale's on screen and that works. I think that the Jane cancer stuff is pretty well done, but the the tone of this, these jokes do kind of keep it from really clicking for a while. And then do you agree that the last act is actually a highlight of this film? Yeah, I really enjoyed that last act. I just It just it felt a little bit like a different movie. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense of the tone, you know, um, yeah. look, I mean, I, I like the movie. I love that they adapted what they did. I just don't don't know. You know, I mean, some of it, I mean, the love and thunder of it, you know, the saving the daughter. I don't know how much sense that makes to me, you know, because, well, so the whole idea they set up is he can have, you know, we can ask attorney for anything he wants. Why didn't he ask attorney f- to live with his daughter? Mm hmm. Why did it only have to be his daughter comes back, but he dies? Sure. I mean, I don't have a sense of that. This is somebody who who's also corrupted and broken by this 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 otherworldly presence in the right. Sword. This like, necro sword, which and, and that, I loved the intro to the necro sword and how it seduced him and it tricked him into into accepting it and the necro sword turned him into this thing because before it was just Gore's fury at the gods that solely corrupted him. And it was his anger that corrupted him. This is the sword corrupting someone who is actually pretty Well, you ultimately find that. out that the Necrosword in the comics actually comes from Null, the god of the symbionts. Let's tie this into Venom then. Well, exactly. <laughs> and that's what you know, Bonnie Kate says that great. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think they did a good job with that. And I guess you can argue that a price had to be paid for all the things that he did. And, you know, and that corruption, he's going to die no matter what. So that's fine. I mean, Love things interesting. Um, um, we're getting ahead. That's that's the end. We are. Can we actually go back to talk about Eternity? Because yeah. when yeah. I because Eternity wasn't in either of these storylines in the comics, either the Gore storyline or the Jane one. And when I first saw those flashes of Eternity, when the when he first touches the Necro Sword and he's starting to have flashes of the cosmos, the Eternity presence, which we haven't really seen in the Marvel Universe MCU before this, blew me away. It was awesome. Who is Eternity, though, so, in so, the comics? So, you know, over the years, going back to, you know, introducing Thanos and Avengers, we've talked a lot about some of the cosmic aspects of the Marvel Universe, right? And, you know, and whether they would or wouldn't do. And so this movie actually brought a lot of those in, you know, that we haven't seen before. Because in the comics, there's sort of this... The personification of Eternity actually exists as sort of a character. I mean, it, conceptually, it's bigger than that, but certain beings like Doctor Strange, you know, characters like that have actually dealt with this manifestation of, of eternity. And and looks, ex- I mean, they did it exactly right out of the comics. It was awesome. Um, that it was, was cool. awesome. And, you know, and by the way, you start talking about Easter eggs, like seemingly, I think that, you know, within that that chamber, you, you got a glimpse of death in there. Well, those are statues. Like you see a statue of the living tribunal. Yeah. You see a statue of a celestial God. You see right. a, a statue of all those things, including death. And and I like that those were statues and that eternity wasn't in that chamber. Eternity was beyond that chamber, but, but those, yeah, that wasn't the living tribunal. We've seen the living tribunal in things like Loki, right? but it was pretty cool to see all those. You actually, and I love that you see celestials in the pantheon of gods, like that, the, the chamber gods, you see celestials just kind of hanging out. And I'm like, see, Eternals is totally still canon. <laughs> well, Eternals is, is definitely canon. We, we could not like the movie. I mean, there's going to be things about Eternals that are going to pop up again. You know? Right. I mean, listen, Black Knight's certainly going to be around. The Black Knight's going to be around. And Cersei was part yeah. of 
Hercules's Avengers team along with Black Knight. So yeah. if you want to make that Avengers team that Hercules was on, the Brett Goldstein character, you got to have the white personality less vision. You've got to have Cersei, and you've got you to have. You don't have to have that, that, that vision. That that vision wasn't on that team. I th- I thought he had. I think so. I think. No, that, wh- I think white vision was right... on on the West Coast team. Okay. I thought he listen. Cut, I'm, I'm, didn't he get his I'm color? I thought, he, that. I thought he got his color back by that. You're the god of comics here on Geekscape, and I know not to fight you. I'm no I'm no god, but you're here, man. All right. If, if, that, if, if that's what you say, I'm going to call it legit. But, I mean, look, here's the thing is, I, yeah, I mean, so Hercules. That For me, that's a big deal. I mean, I sort of feel like he belonged in this movie. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're getting a Thor 5. I don't know, you know, how that works out because obviously it's set up that he has to go after Thor now. I mean, they do call out that there's going to be ramifications for, for that and taking the Thunderbolt. Yeah. You get a post credit that says Thor will return, which Taika has admitted he didn't know that was something that they were going to add. So he said, I'll be back if Chris is back. If Chris is back, right. I'll be back. And now that they're putting their kids in the films because Love was actually played by Chris Hemsworth's right. daughter. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's pay for those colleges. By the way, you, 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 but you, Thor can show up in, in something else, too. Doesn't mean it's right. going to be another Thor movie, you know? Can we talk about how Thor showed up with the Guardians? Um, like, that's really where we start with Thor. Right. We last saw him join that team at the end of Endgame. Exactly. Uh, was Gamora with them at the end of Endgame? No. Because she's not with them here. Okay. She's not with them, and that's left for Guardians, and clearly an aspect of Guardians is going to be about... Because remember, it's not the same Gamora. That's right. So it's the Gamora she's not interested the... in being with them. So it makes sense that they've not been together, and I assume that's going to be a big subplot in Guardians 3 will be about finding her getting her back with them. You know, and that's in November. Is the Guardians movie, or is that Wakanda Forever? In Wakanda Forever is November. We get a Guardians uh, Christmas special, I believe. What is? Is that an animated thing? What is that? I, know, I think it's a live action thing. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So we're getting a but Guardians not, special before the movie, and that's not Guardians three. They're not the same thing. So not the same thing. I'm though. I'm going to guess that because it's the like such a big marquee franchise for Marvel that we're going to get that in the as the in the May slot. Is we're going to that's what I would expect. Okay. Unless it, uh, uh, it could be a March slot. Yeah, Doctor Strange did open up the door for a March slot. Uh, Doctor Strange was originally going to be in a February slot. So yeah. Marvel is just going to land wherever the heck they want. They're the gorilla. Oh. They get to sit anywhere they want. Well, beyond beyond Wakanda, um, what do we know we still have in Phase 4? We have Guardians we 3. Have we have Quantumania. We have the Marvels. And we have Fantastic Four, right? Supposedly, do we really think that supposed to be the end, it's supposed to be the end of Phase Four? Okay, uh, Ian, this one's really kind of quick, but when you start to see Eternity actually arise, like rise in that chamber there at the end with the with the kids, it looked like Galactus's crowns, didn't it? I, I mean, the, the, did you see it? The no, beginning the, the, when Eternity the, 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 they look very similar to the, the top right. of Eternity's head and the Galactus one with with little <laughs> things pointing out. You know, <laughs> I would so. wait what when i started seeing that but it, yeah it was eternity we did not get galactus in the movie did we get fin fang foom in this movie ian I, th- I think there was an image of him right in the chamber with the rest of the yeah. gods yeah i think there was an image were of there him. other easter eggs in the well, chamber by the way like so for me i was hoping for fin fang foom in shang chi i thought that would have been a great place well, because fin fang foom is McLuhan, and the rings and the comics are McLuhan rings so mm-hmm. they didn't do that, but you know, I mean, we'll, we'll so they, they still saved Fin Fang Foom, seemingly. We still don't so know are those where rings, the rings come from. Are they possibly tied to our conversation with, about Miss Marvel next week? I mean, they could do that. I don't expect that. Okay. I do want to talk about Miss Marvel, so we'll, we'll save that till we see the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but- Let's set that up for Friday or Saturday if you're okay with that. Yeah, I should be able to do that. All right. Okay. Um, Ian, I, I wrote up some notes. We're kind of jumping around on Thor Love and Thunder, but if okay. you're still listening to this, it's because you've seen the movie. So you just need to accept that we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, I thought, again, the highlight was Christian Bale's gore. That, that was fantastic. It was and it's always great seeing Natalie Portman again. I did want there to be more drama and a little bit more severity to the cancer storyline. Um, we didn't yeah. really say goodbye to her co-doctors. We didn't say bye to Darcy. We didn't say bye to Dr. Selvig. Um, is this the last we're going to see of Jane? 
No. So, so first of all, it was nice that we got the cameos from both of them, right? From Dar- Darcy and Dr. Selvig. Um, and we've seen Darcy in WandaVision, so we know she's moved on with her life. She's a do- full doctor now. She's doing well. So that was cool. Um, so in the comics, as I said, Jane had cancer. And uh, she had Mjolnir. And, you know, then at one point she realized it was killing her, so she stopped using it, was doing the chemo. Then she came back in similar fashion, big fight um, against Mangog and sacrificed mm-hmm. herself and seemingly died. And then Thor and Odin, pretty much, she was actually going to Valhalla and they basically called her back. Um, and from there, at this point in the comics, all the Valkyries were dead. They brought the Valkyrie that we know from these movies, whose Runa is her, actually her name in the comics, they actually brought her into the comic universe recently and with Jane. Okay. But okay. Jane becomes Valkyrie. Um, she becomes a very different Valkyrie than what was classic. You know, for a while there was the ultimate universe and there was an ultimate Thor with his own Mjolnir. And so that Mjolnir from the, it was the 1610 universe ended up evolving and it became called, called under, under, under Jorn or Undergarn, something sure. like that. U N D R, I think it's J A R A R N, something like that. I'm not going to under John, yeah. So, which is the quote unquote all weapon. So that gives so Jane basically has typical Asgardian strength and that kind of stuff, but she has like a death vision and things like that, and her weapon can turn into anything she wants it to turn into, basically. Um, so, so she's currently in the comics. She's Valkyrie, right. um, while Thor, you know, has Mjolnir. You know, and I mean, he's worthy, he's not worthy. He's the all-father now, very similar to Ragnarok in that sense. Um, that's something that actually um, we should talk about. Um, Thor bestowing the power of Thor onto the kids lines up with him having all-father power, but but at the same time was so Shazam. When I saw that he was going to do the all-father prayer, because that's the prayer that Odin gave Mjolnir and him. Uh-huh. And when I saw that he was starting, I mean, I love this ending. Mm-hmm. The highlight for me is when he starts telling that prayer to the kids and you realize, oh, he's, he is the All-Father now. Yeah. Odin's gone. He's the All-Father. He yeah. can bestow prayers on things as he did on Mjolnir. He put a prayer on Mjolnir, which allowed it Jane to be protected and, and become the mighty Thor. When he starts, which I will say, the by the way, that I do... It's an interesting take on, so whatever it, it needs to do to, to make, so they don't even get into the idea of her being worthy. It's about Mjolnir coming to save her, to keep her alive. I thought that was a great I thought it was, it was cool. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I liked I, it. I do like the montage. I, there were a lot of parts of this movie where somebody said, gather around, let me tell you the story. <laughs> there were a lot. And uh, I think that was the best one. That in the Guardians one where you see Thor get back into action, that was hilarious. But yeah, I think I like the, the rom-com stuff where you see their relationship kind of fall apart. But the most important thing is you see the power bestowed on Mjolnir to take care of Jane. I thought that that was a really clean, of like really efficient way to do that. Because yeah. in the comics, and I, I always felt like Jane was just worthy and that's why she became the mighty Thor. But this one actually has a great reasoning. And and for me with that reasoning, the idea that she has a different level of control than he did, which in the comics, that's the case. Mjolnir was sentient straight up chose her, you know? Um, But I like that because Mjolnir in even reaching out to her has had to reach out. So they're, they sort of connected in a different way. Right. It's a broken Mjolnir, so she can use him use the hammer with shrapnel and control that, which she uses at the end to combine it with uh, with with the Necro Sword. But yes, the the part where he says the all when I saw that All Father prayer starting to happen, and I said, "Holy shit, he's going to make give them his guardian powers. He's going to give them Thor powers." And then you have the Guns and Roses playing, and the kids get into it. You've got the stuffed animals shooting lasers. I thought that was awesome. I thought that ending was so much fun. Huge fan of that. Um, and then I ultimately knew that Gore was going to slip into eternity first. And I like the emotional win that this that this movie hinged on. It wasn't like in the comics where Thor just beat Gore by digging deep and smacking him harder. This was an emotional win that tied into the very beginning of the movie 
and Gore witnessed Jane die in his in Thor's arms in the same way that his daughter died in his. And I thought that that was such a clean, beautiful ending and the way to dovetail those two storylines that it really justified for me the decision to take two disparate storylines in the comics and put them together in a really awesome way, even if it led to the complication of Thor having a daughter. Thor's never had a daughter in the comics, has he? Yes, he has. Okay, talk to me about that. What so, was the- so well, two things. One, part of Aaron's run, he did this thing where we would see both tales of a young Thor, and we also saw King Thor way, way millennia in, in, in the future. Okay, With the like, three daughters. Yeah, those were his granddaughters. Those were his granddaughters, right? But and they're we, all warriors. Yes, but we see, actually see um, a alternate universe Torin Thor's daughter, but his daughter with Sif. So potentially, we're ne- we're never clear in Aaron's run who their mother is or father. I mean, we, we're not really clear on how they're his granddaughters. We just know they are, and then you get these. This potential, you know, there's a, it's a, I think it's basically, it was based on like that cartoon, but this idea that, you know, the Avengers had kids. It's like sure. Next Avengers thing. So, yeah. So, so there's Torn Thor's daughter, as well as their, you know, so for me, my first thought, there's that quick moment when she first appears, when love for, you know, first comes back from maternity and mm-hmm. she has the glowing eyes, is all black. And that is, straight out of the comics image of a character called Singularity who was introduced in A-Force, which is part of the Secret War. Okay? okay. Which um, Secret War? Well, so there was Secret Wars, and then there was Secret War, and then there was the next Secret War. Basically, the one that I think they're building up to with all the uni- all the, the multiverse crashing together into a battle world. Mm-hmm. That comic storyline introduced this character, Singularity, who looks just like Love, but the powers are different. So, what are Singularity in the comics' powers? Um, sort of like warping stuff and teleportation and things like that, you know. And she gets her power from a Singularity versus, I mean, you know, I mean, to me, are we even clear on what Love's powers are? She can do a blast. She's definitely strong. I mean, she's able to weld Stormbreaker, which Thor said in Endgame. You have to basically be cosmically powered to do that, right? Yeah, she's wielding Stormbreaker. I think that her powers have some remnant of eternity in them. I guess because so. she was kind I'm of. Not, I'm not sure why she that. should have yeah. them, but you know, seemingly so. It's kind of fun moving forward. I mean, yeah. if you go into a Thor five, uh, Thor's got something to fight for. He's, you know, if, especially if they if they do the Mangog storyline, which I think the Mangog storyline would be coming up. You just can't have Mangog being the person who being the the villain that wants to destroy the. Well, gods. That's the thing. I, I think this. I think Mangog is just a retread of Gore. Sure. So I don't see a reason. Even though to be Mangog. Mangog was OG from the '60s, exactly. But but I, I think I, I do think Mangog is sort of a retread. So I wouldn't expect that that's where they'd go. Um, hard to say. You know, I think obviously, so they've set up Hercules by Thor seemingly killing Zeus, but then Zeus is fine, but he brings his son Hercules in. You know, the first appearance of Hercules in the comics is uh, Thor 125. It's a that really, um, that cover is so iconic because it's Thor and Hercules clashing. It's right? like a boxing ad, yeah. yeah. It's like a boxing yeah, so, and, 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 promotion. Yeah, yeah, Thor has Milnir, and, and, and Hercules has an adamantine mace that is, mm-hmm. is his weapon. So, um, I thought I love Brett Goldstein, but did 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 bother like he's CGI to fuck right? It, it, none of those actors were acting with each other in that. Movie. No, but not only that, <laughs> but I'm just saying the body. No, I mean I don't know. It's a low angle shot up at Brett. Dude, he's it was all work, like his chest is like this big, you know, like he didn't look like a Rob Liefeld Hercules. Close, close, close. <laughs> My wife was like, "Oh, maybe he worked out." I'm like. He had to work out for years, years to get that. Do you like the casting of Brett? Go- were you, I did do. You know I, know. I, I, I didn't know going I, in. I knew that we were going to see Hercules. I didn't know it was going to be Brett. Go- I did. I did. Oh, that's a shame. No, I wanted. It, I, I, I asked. You wanted someone, to know? I, well, I asked someone two weeks ago if Hercules is in the movie. He said, he said yes. Then I asked, you know, in the movie, movie he said it, it's the tag. And he asked if I wanted to know who it was. And he told me I, it didn't disappoint me at all. I, that, to me, that it's a spoiler, but not. He didn't tell me the uh, any of the details, you know. And yeah, I, w- I was happier to know he shows up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, a part of me is a little frustrated. I, I get this setting it up, 
But, you know, when and if are we going to get it? Like, to me, showing Hercules in this movie would have made sense. Especially if you're going to put him in, a, in an Avengers team with... Right. So n- 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 now they now I feel like they have to do a Thor movie with Hercules before you even get to that Avengers team, you know? And I don't know if we're getting that. I mean, obviously they could not, but, you know, listen, I, that same issue with you know, Star Fox at the end of Eternals. Are we going to get that story? Or is it enough right. that Star Fox is out there? You know, right? But Star Fox and Hercules both have a plot line already introduced to them. Yeah, yeah. That by, are by the way, on other characters you, you, appearing, like Star Fox has to be in a movie where Eternals are rescued. Well, it doesn't have to, to be in a movie because that was the goal. They were that's the direction they were pointed in. Yes, in yes. their tags. But but they could decide not, they could decide not to do that and just have them show up something and we can get some exposition on what happened there. You know, and that's sure. fine. I mean, like you talk about classic Avengers teams, you know, you want that, you know, Star Fox with She-Hulk with Wasp and... Giant Man? So, Ian, what would... So, Thor 5, would they introduce the Dario Agar character, which was the beginning of the Mighty Thor storyline? This so, character that's this so, Greek industrialist who's kind of pillaging... Uh, I like, think that would be, that'd be an interesting thing for them to finally do in, in Thor comics. You bring Ross Solomon... Can you explain... Can you explain them to us? So, so by the way, I think I think what you hit upon there is actually a really interesting thing that they could do with Hercules, even though they've never connected them in the comics. A rich industrialist who's pillaging these magical items from the different various gods and pantheons, right? And and and, and, is, and it controls Roxxon that has been introduced throughout the MCU. Oh yeah, that was an early introduction. You got that in Peggy Carter. You got that in all of it. You get Roxxon through there. You also got Roxxon in Cloak and Dagger in a big way. Um, which counts, you know, and, and I'd love to see days. those characters again. Yeah. So, um, so he's this industrious, but it turns out he's actually a minotaur. Minotaur. Yeah. So, and, um, yes, potato, potato. Um, <laughs> so I think that'd be a really interesting thing. Cause obviously the, the minotaur, um, comes out of Greek mythology. So, oh I, Yeah. Yeah, we got some Greek gods now. This is what I'm saying. So I think that 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 could actually be a really interesting thing to do it that way. I think that that's definitely something plot lines that we haven't seen done yet. And I think it's ripe for that. And it it, it gives you a cool bad guy to do it with, right? Yeah, and it gives a good way for Hercules to be aiming at Thor. And then this Minotaur gets introduced that is pillaged, you know, and and you aim at Hercules, the Minotaur now. And now Hercules becomes the good guy that we know Hercules is. And I love that Hercules is boastful and he's very Thor-like. We're going to see that fight. That fight's going to be awesome. And then we're going to see Hercules become a good guy and end up on some versions of the Avengers teams. That's what I hope. I I like that idea. I love that. So what I was starting to say was, you know, so, you know, you know, we're getting basically, I think they're going to call her photon, you know, after, you know, in the Marvels, but you know, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, Carol Danvers friend's daughter, um, Monica Rambeau. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was on the classic Avengers team with star Fox with she Hulk uh, Hercules ended up on that team, you know, I mean, Hercules had been in the Avengers before, but, you know. That was her Photon character? Well, she was Captain Marvel at the time. Sure. You know, um, that's the whole thing about bringing all all that together. That's what made it cool in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that actually her mother was Captain Marvel, which Mm -hmm. sort of lines up to those connections. And we'll see where they go with that with the Marvels. The Marvels, I think, is that, that's first quarter 2023, right? I believe so. I think that's a February movie, and okay. uh, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about when we talk about Miss Marvel wrapping up. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about the daughter. Oh, we we didn't talk about the goats. So let's talk about the goats. So the goats, old school Thor. The goats are beyond old school Thor. The goats go back to Norse myth- mythology. Wow. So the <laughs> the goats are like. Thor in, in Norse mythology had these goats that were, you know, magical goats, and he would ride them on, you know, on a chariot. He'd be in a chariot. They'd pull the chariot, and he'd fly through the heavens. Yeah, so I love that they worked that in and, here. And so Walt Simonson, in the Walt Simonson run, he brought the goats into the comics. You know, they exist. They're in Asgard. 
No, no, uh, mid eighties, mid eighties, mid eighties. Yeah, uh, I had heard actually that Kenneth Branagh wanted to include the the goats in the first movie, and everybody was like, "No, that's a little. That's a man. Let's just piece by piece. Let's introduce the the weird stuff." Right? <laughs> Did you hear that rumor? I didn't, but I mean, uh, that makes sense. I love that. Yeah, I mean, the amount of research going into making a Thor film, you're going to end up finding out that the in ancient Norse mythology there was these two goats that would pull the chariot and. It's been in the comics definitely throughout Aaron's run. And you're right. They probably first showed up in those Walt Simonson runs in the mid eighties. Uh, we also, Simonson. there are a couple other uh, Walt Simonson. Uh, we are having a whole pronunciation I mean, if you're gonna do it, celebration. I'm gonna do it, right? today. I get it, baby. I get it. It's all fair here on Geekscape. Um, okay. So Ian, what other aspects are we still missing? We don't have Thor yet. We don't have the dog. I love Thori. You know, and Thori's interesting because, you know, you bring up Thori for Thor, but Thori actually really comes out of Loki. Yeah. It's a so, Loki character. Yeah. Like, I want, you know, like, put Thori on in, in Loki. Which they're know? shooting right now. They've been and, shooting. And, and honestly, like, that's sort of the point. Like, he named his dog after Thor, which in a weird way is like it's brotherly love, but it's also making a statement of Thor's just a dog, right? Yeah. But the dog. Like when Thor meets Thori, he's like, Thori, really? You know, like. The dog just wants to destroy, maim, and kill. Yeah. <laughs> like the dog is horrendous, well, which is what well, I love. The dog, about is, the dog is a hellhound. I mean, it, it, right, you know, right. you know, so yeah. They've not had Thori for a while in the comics, and nor have they had one of the crows that is also a major player in the Thor and. You know, but we also don't have Throg. We saw Throg, but we don't really have Throg. But we did. Uh, I heard Throg. there's a four-hour version of this movie. So, supposedly, you know, it, it's interesting. I was actually reading a bunch of that today. I love Taika Waititi. I mean, he's so funny. He's such a great filmmaker, showmaker. I mean, our flag means our, death. Our flag means death is fantastic. You know, next week I, we get, uh, we get, we get the first, first episode of the new season. Oh, this week yeah. we get the first. What's today? It's Monday. <gasps> we get the first episode of the new season yeah. of the, uh, what we do in the shadows. Fantastic. Yeah. We're both big Taika fans. Big Taika. What were we going to say? I'm sorry. Well, Taika straight up said, he was asked about director's cut. He said, you know, he doesn't believe in releasing a director's cut. He said, there's a reason why, you know, first of all, he says directors need to be reined in. And no, as far as he's concerned, he'd never release it. Anything that was cut was cut for a reason. And even if he thought it was the most brilliant thing while they were shooting it, then he looked later, he thought it made the movies halt to, you know, come to a halt. And, you know, I mean, there's reasons they pulled him out. Now, what I like to see, I mean, we assume that the Grandmaster, Jeff Goldblum, we know shot scenes. We know that, um, you for know. For this film? For this film, Jeff Goldblum shot scenes, uh, Peter Dinklage, who played E-Tree in Endgame shot scenes, and Lena Headey did. So we can assume, and supposedly the um, Peter Dinklage and Jeff Goldblum scenes were actually with Christian Bale. So we can assume that, Gore probably killed them. And Lena Headey, she played, who did she we play? We don't know who the, she played. But okay, so she wasn't a pre-established character. She was not a pre-established character. The, okay. No. In fact, it's interesting because her management company is suing her for money from the movie, even though it, you know, seems... No She's not seen, in the cut. Yeah, but she got paid. So anyway, but yeah, so we're not going to see those scenes. Um, I mean, you know... Tyke said, yeah, you know, DVDs that no one really buys anymore. Sometimes they get released. Sometimes you have a little thing on a, you know, Disney Plus, they, they, they could put it out there, but I'm not expecting them. You know, I, I'd love to see them. Here's the thing is when you cut stuff like that and it isn't out there, then, you know, those characters can now appear elsewhere, even if they would have been killed in that. So, you know, right. generally with the comic book stuff, I'm always interested in a long cut. I'd really like to see a long cut of Doctor Strange and, and you know, in the multiverse of madness, because I think that's a much better movie for what they cut out of it. You know, agreed. And we're going to go to the theaters in early August and see a director's cut of Spider-Man No Way Home. Is are they still doing that? I heard that they're re-releasing it back in the theaters with the longer cut. I heard that. I believe they're still doing it. Um, yeah, you know, you wanna, I want to go. It. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, okay. I'm down. Okay. Well, Ian, what else? What stone is left to be uh, uncovered here on the Thor: Love and Thunder? We've talked um, about a lot of this stuff. We talked about a lot of things. Um, I mean, well, you know, one of the interesting things I think, you know, it's interesting that they did Zeus this way, you know, because they established Zeus and Hercules, so we can extrapolate from that that the Greek pantheon exists. You know, we don't know why they're not with their entire pantheon or how that works. 
We've I seen mean, the Egyptian pantheon. Right. Um, as you'll recall, you know, I was really disappointed. I thought it would have been a great thing to actually have Gore show up in, you know, a tag in Moon Knight. Apparently the Moon Knight um, showrunner wanted to make reference to Gore to God's dying. But they, hmm. they didn't let him do it because he knew at least that much. Uh, but Ra was mentioned in this movie. So, you know, so I mean, look, gods are gods. There is a connection between different gods, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen with that stuff. The Guardian stuff I thought was great. The Guardian stuff was fun, cool. And I'm glad it didn't overstay its welcome. It was it was there to introduce Thor and to introduce the fact that there was a crisis in the universe that the Goro was out there killing people. And I, I and I guess we can assume, notwithstanding the fact that James Gunn's Guardians Three got pushed a bit, the truth is Thor joining them was an endgame. It wasn't Gunn's thing, mm-hmm. so he doesn't need him, right? Yeah, but he was hilarious in this movie. I mean, it was hilarious seeing them respond to Thor in this movie when he comes in and just starts smashing stuff. And you're like, oh, God. They're just sitting there watching him. Honestly, the, the funniest thing, you knew it was going to happen when he goes on and on about go save the temple and, he, and the temple just falls apart. Yes. <laughs> and he's trying to apologize for it. And the guy's like, just won't. He's like, no, it's fine. You know? They're so sick of Thor. He brings these stupid goats yeah. onto the ship. Uh, that Those openings are worth going to see the movie again and the, again the, just the, the, like, the goat whale is hysterical is it always hysterical some people liked it every time i think it was funny every time right? it was funny every time i mean it okay. would get old at a certain point but it it, it played <laughs> really well and even just the nebula's reaction to them on the ship was just so funny yeah so wrapping things up like let's see, let's see if they do the Dario Agar uh, Minotaur. I, I, I think I think that's interesting. I think that makes a lot of sense for what you know for where they're going with bringing Hercules in. Pretty you know, agree. it's very original, but it's still tied to the comics, and it is. It's surprising that they actually never did connect that. But you know, Hercules was in a different place for a while, comic wise. I mean, they've brought him back recently. You know, um, actually in Guardians of all things. Are you reading the Maestro book that Peter David sure. does? I, I love that. You, 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 you said you well. said two things that made it guaranteed I was reading it. You said Maestro <laughs> and you said Peter David. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Geeks gave us who don't read the comics. Maestro is a future version of the Hulk that is brilliant and evil. And he comes back to uh, fight the Hulk in the current timeline. But they're exploring Maestro's, like, post-apocalyptic future in the comics and Peter David, who created the character and has one of the most famous Hulk runs is writing it. And it's a must read if you're a Hulk fan or a fan of the whole Maestro storyline, which it doesn't look like they're going to get to anytime soon with the She-Hulk stuff, because we still have brilliant banner. uh, Yeah. Well, I don't need them to get to that anytime soon. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, it's tricky because you still end up with that issue of, are you going to get an actual Hulk movie? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Which Universal owns the rights to any right. single Hulk movie. Right. He has to appear in it with other properties. But you can, honestly, you can do that. Here's the problem. The Maestro is a potential future, you know? Right. And how far off do you go? I mean, are we, ready? Are we ready for these movies to jump into that? Is that a something... Listen, it's something you can, a cool thing you can do with a Kang, you know? And yeah. Kang throwing him into a future like that. And suddenly you have Maestro that you have to deal with, who's a brilliant evil Hulk. That'd be cool. Right. Uh, By the way, that's what Age of Ultron in the comics was, right? Yeah. Jason Elliott says, Peter David's run was the defining run for the Hulk. And I think nobody would argue. Nobody would argue on that one. Um, all right, Ian. We loved I think I think I really, really enjoyed this movie. If not loved this movie, I'm going to give it a, a second screening. Um and uh, yeah, I think uh, you know it's got some tone stuff going on, but I think this is an enjoyable movie. Yeah, but it, it, it's a fun movie. Yeah, definitely worth seeing. I mean, if you like the Thor, movie, every single one of these movies it. is worth seeing. Ian, remember sure. when we were twelve and we dreamed of seeing these things? That's on the how screen, I feel. And now we see them. That's how yeah. I feel. I feel the same way about the shows. Even listen, even some of these comic book shows, even when they're not as good as others, they're like I can't believe. But compared to what we used to get. You know, you and I've had this argument for years. You know, we would talk about some of the Berlanti stuff. You go like, oh, it drags on and soap opera stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's a comic book. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you get a lot of the, those, those B storylines when you're doing 22 episodes a season. But, and even the romance stuff, that's comics. 
You know, comics that have been coming for years and years. I mean, how much back and forth about Thor's love life that have the comics done between Sif, between Jane, between you know, on and on. Right. Roz was a thing, you know. This is our soap operas, so we're going to enjoy them. And they're not just for boys anymore. This is for everybody. It's kind of cool to see everybody being into some of these newer characters, older characters, niche characters. Um, and we're going to be back with a newer character who also is uh, pretty awesome. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm enjoying it for the most part. Uh, we're going to talk about it this weekend let's talk yeah. about miss marvel which wraps up this week um yeah i look forward to it and we'll be doing that uh jason elliott wants to send you off with i enjoyed the breakdown of this film and you really broke down things brilliantly thank you and uh he goes on to say you know my sister is a marvel fan and she never really read the comics so i think these are doing a great job of bringing people who don't normally read comics well into the and we'll, we'll, and we'll talk about this more in the miss marvel special but i'll say something that the shows do in general, the shows across the board, I think are doing really well is the biggest complaint. And I live with a writer. So a lot of times she comes out of the movies and I really want her over and to watch the Marvel movies, but she's sort of hitting a, a weariness about they feel the same. Mm-hmm. The shows don't, the shows are all doing something different. They have the room to breathe and really tell a longer story, really get something I was saying earlier, but they get into this character stuff and they go and they, they all have a very different tone. They're just not typical. Honestly, it's the exact reason why a lot of supposed fanboys I know that they just want to see a big Marvel, you know, blow them up extravaganza and don't like the shows because there's something different. And that's the thing about comic books is they actually really represent Marvel comics much better because Marvel comics are more rounded that way. Ms. Marvel, for all of its changes, really gets the tone of the Ms. Marvel comic which admittedly mm-hmm. is not for every 50 year old guy, you know, <laughs> Again, right. You know, well, we're going to talk about it this weekend. Geekscapists. Um, we got a lot of Geekscape coming. As I said, Kim Coates from sons of anarchy is going to be on the show this week. Uh, again, that won't be live. So if you're going to listen to that one, just subscribe on any podcast app that you got, uh, go subscribe to Geekscape. And you know what? We've got tons of shows on the podcast network as well, ranging from everything from wrestling to music to horror films, uh, you're just going to have to search for Geekscape on a podcatcher and and find find out some of that stuff for yourself. We're also going to be at Comic-Con. Ian's going to be there with us. Uh, we're at booth 3919. That is next week. I'm not ready, but I'm getting ready quickly uh, to be there. It's going to be fun. And, uh, a week, reason for, a week from Wednesday, huh? A week from Tuesday for me because I got yeah, that Tuesday, damn yeah. booth down there and set it up. Yeah. And I got to tell you, we got a lot of friends coming by the booth to do some signings and appearances. So that's going to be a cool place to hang out. And if you don't go to Comic-Con, you're also going to be able to hang out with us because every day we're going to do a recap of what we experienced. Uh, And the only way to listen to that is by subscribing to the podcast right here. So, again, subscribe to the Geekscape podcast. Share it with your friends. You're going to go to Comic-Con with us. Um, And as Jason says, who we first met in person at Comic-Con, Jason from Houston says, damn it, I'll have to miss it yet again. My sister's wedding is that weekend. Well, congratulations to your sister, Jason. And... You can uh, hang out at the wedding listening to Geekscape on your earbuds uh, with our recaps every day of what we experienced on the floor, man. So you're still going to come to Comic-Con with us. That's what we're doing, okay? So enjoy the wedding and enjoy your uh, Geekscape at Comic-Con. All right, Ian, thank you so much for doing the show, dude. And um, we'll talk to you this weekend as we talk Miss Marvel. Sounds good. All right. Peace. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.